Hi, I'm Ayala Marinovich. Welcome back to Strength in Words, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. Each episode, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, and outline some insight about early development, talking about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. This series is time for you to be together and to feel like you're doing something good for and with your baby, small child, or multiple young children. Please follow your child's lead. Many of our episodes are recorded with a live virtual audience and followed by question and answer workshops with our guests. To be part of the next live workshop, you can start your free trial of the Strength in Words Community Lab by heading to community.strengthinwords.com. I am a mother of two young children and a pediatric speech-language pathologist. I specialize and work with very young children, but this is not to be confused with speech therapy. This is what I call family enrichment. All suggested activities are meant to be enjoyed by your baby under close adult supervision. For a more complete story of Strength and Words, please listen to my introduction episode or visit my website, strengthandwords.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll take just a moment of your time to leave a review on iTunes. This allows us to reach more families and share our values of education, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to Ayelet. Hello to the singers. Hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies. Hello to the toddlers. Hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I will help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name, hello to your name, hello, 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 everybody, hello, everybody, hello, hello, hello. Today we are speaking with Rachel Kammeyer, a mother to William, who has just celebrated his first birthday, happy birthday, and a long-time listener of Strength in Words. Let's give her a special welcome. Hello to Rachel, hello to William, hello, 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 hello to all our new friends, hello to all our old friends, hello, 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 one last time. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Welcome to episode 58 of the Strength in Words podcast. Today's special guest is Rachel Kammeyer, a speech-language pathologist, longtime listener of the Strength in Words podcast, and mother to William, who has just celebrated his first birthday at the time of this recording. I've had the good fortune of getting to know Rachel over the last year, her first year of motherhood, and I think her perspective, like all of the guests I bring on to the Strength in Words podcast, is one that can help us learn more about ourselves and about our own experiences. I asked Rachel to be on the show today because her story is one that I do think resonates with all of us, and her needs and desires as she grew into the incredible parent she is today reflect exactly why I've created the resources you can find here at Strength in Words. I hope you'll enjoy this great chat with Rachel.
Today, I am speaking with Rachel Kammeyer, who is a speech-language pathologist, a mother, and a longtime listener of Strength and Words. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. This is great. I'm happy that you are joining me today, Rachel. And I just wanted to sort of pick your brain about a few things and about your transition into motherhood. So let's start there. Why don't you give us the backstory? What what did life look like for you when you were about to become a mom? So I was working at a skilled nursing facility. And for people who might not be familiar with that, it's kind of like what we used to call a nursing home. So I was doing a lot of rehab therapy. And then when I was about six months pregnant, the company bought another facility. It was way busier. And they decided to make me the sole speech therapist at both facilities. So around Christmas time, I was working 14, 15 hour days and I would be gone. And I would joke to my boss that I was going to carry this baby to term. I asked them to bring in more help. So eventually we were getting more help. And then like many things, it was feast or famine. So I went from working these crazy hours to by the eighth month of my pregnancy, I was only working like three or four hours a day and I was not complaining at all. And then one night I went to the bathroom and I was bleeding and you know, it, it was, it was pretty significant. And it's one of those things that you got late in the pregnancy, like red flag, call the doctor right away. And we went to the hospital and I was having some Braxton Hicks type contractions, but I was having a lot of them. And so they were really worried that my uterus was just kind of freaking out, but I wasn't dilated. How many weeks were you at this point? At this point, I think we did the math and I was at 33 weeks, 33, 34, something like that. So late-ish, but still not quite to 38 weeks. So they were like, drink lots of water. We'll give you a shot. And they discharged me home. Well, I went to work the next day. And the nurses that I work with were like, you look tired. Like, well, I was in the hospital last night. And they're like, what are you doing here? (laughs) And, you know, part of it's my work ethic. And part of it, it's just like, it didn't dawn on me that I should take it easy. Because I already felt like compared to the 18-hour day, the four-hour day, was taking it easy. So then they saw me pushing a wheelchair and they were like, stop. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm tired. I'm going to do some self-care and I'm going to go home. I went home and I felt better. And then some friends of ours were borrowing our truck and they came by to pick it up. And my husband had ordered a pizza. And I went to the bathroom while he was pulling out and there was more bleeding again. And I (laughs) raced after him down the driveway, like, Hey, come back, come back. That's one does when they're bleeding heavily pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So then I, I called his cell phone and it was ringing in the garage and I was like oh my god so then I was like okay I just very calmly packed my hospital go bag grabbed all our stuff grabbed some stuff for him and when he walked in the door with the pizza I'm like turn around we're going to the hospital we can eat the pizza on the way and basically it was the same thing that they didn't really know I was having contractions they thought maybe I was just some capillaries were popping or something but at that point they put me on bed rest so I called my boss and said I'm not coming back and luckily in the state of California, it actually did not disrupt my maternity leave almost at all. Cause you get a few weeks here um, before you have your baby in addition to the time after. So financially it wasn't a disaster or anything, but you know, our house was full of Amazon boxes. The nursery wasn't even painted. I mean, you don't need a painted nursery when your baby comes, but you're probably not going to paint the nursery after the baby comes. So some coworkers came and helped my husband. They painted and then just one by one, he knocked out the dresser, the crib. Cause when you register for everything on Amazon, it's going to come in a box. There's nothing that's put together. Right. It's flat backed. And he was amazing. And I started struggling that first week with the idea of not being able to do anything. 
I would try to get up and Dave's like, get back in bed. Oh, I'm just going to the bathroom. He's like, yeah, that's like the fifth time you've gotten up to go to the bathroom. Just go back. But then a week later, I discovered some really good Netflix binge watching. (laughs) And it turns out that laying in bed for three weeks before your baby comes may be advice that I would give any mom. (laughs) Because I I relaxed, I slept, and it gave me a lot of time to think about what motherhood was going to be like and really read the books on the labor and delivery and get a lot of knowledge that I could have have to be prepared. And I'm really glad that it worked out that way because mm-hmm. when the tide did come almost two weeks after his due date, we were ready and we had a plan. And when things kind of got topsy-turvy with the doctor, we knew exactly what we wanted and we were able to advocate and do what we needed to do. And everything came beautifully. And William was born in eight hours with a natural labor and delivery. So it was really awesome. I learned that my husband is the strongest man in the world and he caught William. And so that was, oh. was really sweet. So and then he was here. So so then what happened? So luckily ish, I had thought I was going into labor a few days before. One of those nights, I called my mom and said, "I think he's coming." And they got in the car and drove from Texas to California the next day. But then you know the labor stopped, and they're like, "Well, we're already in El Paso. We'll just keep coming." So my parents were actually already here, which we did not plan, but it worked out beautifully. We developed a phrase called "step and fetch," and I needed a step and fetch because I would sit down to nurse and like, I wouldn't have water. And I'm like, I need my water. And I love my husband, but he's from the kind of people that settled the West. <laughs> Go get your own water. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I've got this little human. That's like, I don't know how long this is going to take. And so my mom was amazing and she would bring me my water. And then I'm like, please don't ever leave. <laughs> I'm going to need to be able to drink in six weeks. But she, she stayed for a month and Sort of to echo what Brooke had said also, she was singing from the very beginning to William. She had this beautiful, like, good morning to you. And I was like, I'm never going to sing to William. Because when I was in fourth grade, I had a music teacher who said, you can lip sing if you want, Rachel. From that point on, I I kind of, I knew that I had stage presence, but not necessarily talent. (laughs) And I was really self-conscious, especially about the singing, because as a speech therapist, I knew I should sing and I knew how valuable it was. But I really, I mean, this is a baby who literally knows nothing about anything, right? And (laughs) I was embarrassed to sing in front of him for a little while. And finally, what ended up happening is that I just started singing everything. It seemed like the most natural way to talk to him because then talking to him just seemed even weirder than the singing part. And then when I found strength in words, it was like, oh, okay, it's great that I'm singing everything. And here's a whole slew of other songs. Oh, and here's someone with a beautiful voice so he can actually hear like what notes really sound like if he needs that. Because kind of to skip ahead a little bit, after my mom left, she left the day that I started going to a play group through the San Mateo Parents Club. And as extroverted as I am, I'm not really a joiner. I don't really like groups. I'm not in clubs. I was on the debate team because that was an individual event. (laughs) I knew that I had to do that. I knew that for my, I didn't have any friends in San Mateo. We had moved here and I started working in a town that was like 20 miles away. I knew nobody and I certainly didn't know anyone who had kids. My family was all spread out in the 
rest of the country. So I went and because I was one of the few moms who had planned to stay home from the very beginning, they asked me to be the playgroup coordinator for our age group. And that turned out to be really nice. But I mean, when you're meeting new mom friends, it's like a series of blind dates. And I was really sad. And I called my little best friends in Austin, who I love and who are also speech therapists and also moms. Mm. And I was like, I'm never going to meet anyone as amazing as you. And they're like, well, that's not true. Hang in there, but we're here if you need us. And just having that opportunity to be a little bit vulnerable about the struggle Mm -hmm. was really, it it helped me relax a little bit because I was so insecure about meeting friends. And I was so insecure about, there was this whole list of things I knew I probably needed to do. I knew I needed to sing. I knew I needed to meet people. And here was this deep chasm and like the actual ability to do that. And so one of my plans became to stalk people on Facebook who looked like they could be speech therapists or therapist friends in general, because I tend to like helpers and you were one of those people. (laughs) And then it turns out you had this amazing community. So persistence, I so much opened up after that because then sometimes it just, you know, it just takes a little bit of success to feel successful. Mm -hmm. And the family enrichment sessions were what I think I started with. And I'm not going to lie. Like I have a hard time with podcasts. Like I didn't listen to talk radio because it was a conversation you couldn't be a part of. And I always found that really frustrating as a very talkative extrovert. Like you'd be in the car and they're talking about something. You're like, I want to weigh in. And so the live sessions were this perfect solution to that, where there was the flexibility that if I missed it and I really wanted the content, I could hear it if I wanted to, but even better, I could be a part of that exchange and have the questions answered and talk to these experts at the end. And that access to me is worth its weight in gold. That's just been awesome because it's opened up a chance because I wasn't going to read any more book. I bought one, I was gifted two books (laughs) and I bought one. So I have three child books, not counting the labor and delivery one. (laughs) What were the books that you read? So we got the Baby 411 book, which was a nice resource because it's topically organized. So it's like, oh, question about feeding, question about diapers. And then the What to Expect book for the first year. And that was great because it was month by month. So I only had to read like six pages at a time. And honestly, by the time we hit 10 or 11 months, I was forgetting to read it. But those first few months, it was very valuable. I was like, what's supposed to be happening? Right. <laughs> and then the Raising a Healthy, Happy Eater. That book has, it's also organized chronologically. And so we're just now getting into the later chapters. And I'm trying, I don't want to read ahead because I want things to kind of stay manageable and I don't want to overthink the future. One of the things I've learned is I overthought a lot of things from the beginning and then I either didn't do them or I had to be flexible and change it up. So I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a different approach this time. Plus I'm getting a enough resources, I think, between the lab and the bigger community of moms that I have now that I have more sounding boards. So mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be go to the book first. It's go to the book and. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? When you found Strength in Words, what were some of the things in general that it opened up for you? Were you introduced to it through the podcast or through videos on Facebook? How did you find it? I think there was a post on Facebook about an upcoming session. And I was drawn to that because as someone with a speech pathology background and someone who has been working with kids since I was 14 years old, I felt really comfortable in the mom role. I'd been waiting to be a mom for a really long time, but what I was drawn to was that I knew what the evidence would suggest, but I didn't really have a lot of tools 
for implementing it in my day-to-day. And I had primarily worked with adults when I did work with kids. They were all over the age of three. And so even just like playing with William, I had an idea of what it should be from a scientific standpoint, but what that would look like or how I could change the one thing I might know how to do to make it more interesting day in, day out, especially if it was something that he particularly enjoyed or was really engaging. That was extremely valuable to me. And so the family enrichment sessions have been my favorite aspect because there's a nice structure and then there are things that are new and then things that are familiar. And then you always give a way to change it based on following your child's lead. I knew that that was critical, but then there's also that bridge of, okay, well, I can see that you're interested in this what am I going to do with that information now? (laughs) So one example that I really loved was we had a digital picture frame and William loved it. And I was like, oh, he's looking at pictures of the family and we could talk about it a little bit. And then you had one of the things that I struggled with with William, he was not into reading. Mm -hmm. We didn't even, I didn't even have story time as part of the bedtime routine because he just wasn't into it. And the speech therapist in the back of my mind is like, Rachel, you're supposed to be reading your child. Reading your child. And then the the like practical mom part of me is like, he's so not into it, it would be a waste of our time. Like he he just wants to eat the book and he's not even even I can put the book in front of him, but he's not gonna look at it. He wants to chew on something else or go play with something else. And and then there was this great live session about early literacy. And I was like, yes, okay, I'm gonna come up with really good strategies. And then what I ended up learning was, oh, we're already doing all the things that are age appropriate. I can let this go and stop worrying. And look, the digital picture frame, that's early literacy. <sighs> okay. He he likes books now. I didn't have to make him like a book. He did it on his own when he was ready. And now we can read. It's good. And he'll pick them up and he still chews on them. Yeah. So I, I really was drawn to the, the innovation. And you were doing a lot. I think at the time you were doing a lot of like how to take one song and do it three or four ways. And you were like walking around your neighborhood singing a song about the same tune. And when I was in fifth grade, you know, I wanted to write jingles for advertisers because I liked making up songs. And I was like, this is so cool because, you know, I'm doing this already and I'm not the weirdo. This is actually really good evidence-based mominess. And not just that, but like there are a lot of other people out there who are probably coming up with really cool songs too. And we can all share them with each other, you know? And so that, and then the other thing that I was really drawn to was the flexibility that William could come to the session because I love that the parents clubs around here have like speaker sessions, but they're in the evening. And then there's like the childcare and my husband is self-employed and he has a crazy work schedule. And I support him in that because that's what allows me to stay home. So we have a a good trade-off, but it can be very limiting for Mm -hmm. leaving the house or going to events or having babysitters. And if the session is open to children, that's great. And that means that he can be a part of it. And then if he's asleep, I can be a part of it and it can be me time instead. And we can both get something out of it. Or if it's something that's really amazing and we just truly have to miss it, it's still there. It wasn't like I missed that day and I'll never have that chance again. It's all recorded for posterity and sharing. And I've watched some of the episodes that we've missed and it's great to be able to watch them and get the content. Mm-hmm. not feel like you're stuck to someone else's timeline. And also to be able to talk about what you saw or what you implemented later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think the debriefing part of it has been really nice, especially because the lab is growing with our babies. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when I joined, I had a six to nine month old and now I have a nine to 12 month old and pretty soon it's going to be the next chunk. Yeah. And I know that having that active community who are asking questions and then bouncing topics off and sharing their stories, like we're all really curious about Montessori, it seems. And some people have tried it or lived it and can speak to that experience. And that's great to just be able to say, oh, I wonder if anyone has talked about that. And boom, I think it, like you say, we're not meant to parent in isolation and parenthood can be so isolating, even in your own head. You don't know what questions you have sometimes and you can just drive yourself crazy it's really nice to hear other people are crazy too and they have (laughs) answers or solutions and some of them work and some of them don't for you and that's great too because you're learning that it's about flexibility and being non-judgmental and that that can be really challenging it's nice that there's an environment that specifically promotes that because you can join Facebook groups and there's just they can get intense or ideological And I I think that's another thing that I really like about this platform is not just that there aren't like hot button issues, but that it's sort of ideology free Mm -hmm. in one way. Like you obviously have an idea about what parenting might look like, and these are some best practices for it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I listen to a presenter, I wouldn't get the impression that if I disagreed with something that it would be shameful or that it would be something that I wouldn't be able to like come back and say, you know, when I tried that, it wasn't as successful for me. So that's also really nice to have lots of positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all need that. Yeah. <laughs> as humans, not just as right. parents, but especially as parents. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I'll like think about the kind of way I want to lead my son to something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I should cross apply that lesson to my husband or cross apply that lesson to my mom and my dad or, you know, whomever, my neighbors. And it's nice to have a little accountability filter because I'm not going to say like, if you're only reading books, you're not getting that. But it is nice to have the ability to communicate those experiences and have a reality check. Um, Well, speaking of books, you have read the new book, Understanding Your Baby, which is just about to launch as we speak and probably will have launched by the time this episode comes out. So I wanted to ask a little bit about that because we've talked more about the community lab, which is the more community and support group aspect of Strength in Words. But of course, and we've mentioned the podcast and some of the other musical resources as well, but this book is also in a way sort of a DIY resource, right? You're looking for ideas for week by week development and ideas to play with your baby, here it is. So can you tell us a little bit about what, having read the book, what's changed for you now, or just some of your impressions? Sure. And it's interesting that I would definitely make the point that the book is a supplement to the lab. And I do think that for me, the value of the lab is now even more enriched by the presence of the book. That you could just get the book, but I think the book and the lab is like the winning combination. (laughs) And I, I read the book and the first thing I thought was, I'm so glad I'm having a second child because I can't wait to start with day one and have a little map of what we can do together. It, when I when I got the advanced copy, William was already on like week 50. Yeah. So I kind of skimmed the first part and then went straight to the part that was relevant for him. And it was spot on. 
on the activities, the sensory needs, the transitioning from where his cognitive skills were and the specific activities that were being recommended were like, yes, this is, this is gold. And so then what I've done since is gone back and reread other sections while I'm looking at pictures from that time. It's kind of helped me reminisce over his first year because he had his birthday while I was reading the book. So I found my pictures from when he was like four months old. So I went back to the four month old ideas and I'm like, oh yeah, we didn't really do that. That would have been really cool because, you know, we had tummy time and he was rolling over and he was just kind of starting to sit up and starting to eat. But I felt like we were kind of focused on one or two things like, all right, let's get you sitting up. Let's get you. I'll be so free when you're sitting up. (laughs) (laughs) Little did you know. (laughs) And so that was sort of one of the things that the book kind of helped me check in with is that maybe it was just with baby number one, but you're always thinking about what's next. Mm, yeah. Well, and you're just trying to keep your head above yeah. water. You're in survival mode. You're in survival mode and it's all new and it's all wonderful. And then you're like, oh, well, once he can do this, this can happen. And I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to with the book is being a little bit more present and having a lot of different ideas for how to stay present. Mm. And like one of the things, like we have the digital picture frame and I was thinking, you know, you really recommend using pictures a lot and embed them and creating your own books. And I thought, well, that might be something that William and I can do for baby number two. He can be introducing family members or we can print pictures of people that number two might not get a chance to meet or won't meet because we had a loss in the family. And so I was like, yeah, we can also just take pictures of all the places that William likes to go so that baby number two will hear about it. And we'll go those places. And so I loved the idea of the picture books. And so that was really inspiring to go back and kind of think about, okay, these are the little ways. And the baby massage. Like when my mom first was holding William, I think he was about maybe a week old. She had him on his tummy on her lap. And she was like, I'm going to give him a little baby massage. And she was just kind of tickling his back. And there's this beautiful picture of him making this face that's just He's on cloud nine. He's so happy. And I remember thinking like, baby massage sounds so complicated. But then I saw what you were talking about, like, oh, this is how we can talk about our body parts. This is some sensory integration that we can be doing. This is some routine that we can be doing. We can always kind of do this a little bit when we're like changing diapers or getting dressed. And I feel like the book is giving me the confidence to not be as shy about things that maybe crossed my mind before, but I didn't think that I would know how to do. And then it's actually not as complicated, but it is just as valuable and it's accessible. And so I'm really excited about that. I also like that the podcasts that you've already done or interviews you've already done are already mentioned. And I can tell you now that I no longer remember anything that happened a month ago and certainly not what's going to be like, you know, a year and a half ago. (laughs) So (laughs) it's great that that resource will be right there to help jog my memory when I need it. Exactly. Yes, that was intentional. (laughs) Good job you because because this mommy dementia is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's a good term for it. So to just sum it up, what do you feel like has changed for you now that you have the resources from Strength and Words in your life? Well, I'm less hesitant to ask for help. For example, I had that question about weaning and I was crying and I was sad. And I was like, I really want someone to help me through this. And I was like, I need to post this in the community because they're who are going to help me with that. And so part of it was, okay, there's a place where you can go to have those kinds of social emotional 
original questions answered, not just what's the research say. And another thing that's changed is that I feel a lot more confident about some of the choices that I had already made and feel really good about being open to other choices that I didn't know were out there. The talk today on positive parenting strategies, I had an idea based on some other research I've seen, usually for kids with disorder. Part of the problem of being a speech therapist is I'm dealing with kids that aren't neurotypical. And so I I feel like I'm really good at helping in a crisis, but like the day-to-day kind of nuts and bolts of what's normal. Like I ended up asking the question, well, what should my expectations because I don't actually know what the expectations for a child that is developing typically. And my husband and I had a conversation and we were basically like, well, how do we want a parent? We know we don't want to yell. We know we don't want to say no too much. What's the other thing look like? <laughs> What's that sound like? What are the, what are we talking about? What's the thing that we're thinking about doing? Does it have a name? And so today was great. So for me, it's been really great to have a lot of opportunity to have someone bring evidence to you you bring options to us and for us to say, oh yeah, that works. Or, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Or yeah, we can do this. We can halfway do that. Like toy rotation. There's only so much storage space and there's only so much out and about space, but I love the idea of that. And it's not as sparse as some other homes and it's what works for us, but it was a great idea. And I learned how to do it through you guys. Fantastic. I'd love to just sort of finish off with the last question, which is what would you tell yourself before you became a mom if you could tell yourself one thing oh wow don't make it too complicated I definitely think that for a long time my coping strategy was to come up with a lot of rules and a lot of formulas and look at a lot of data and make things as complicated as possible for some reason and all that did was create a lot of conflict and a lot of wasted time and luckily I feel very fortunate that between Dave and my mom they're both really honest people but very compassionate and they kind of helped me seize it it didn't need to be this hard I was making it harder than it needed to be that things were going to get hard enough on their own. And I think this is a similar experience a lot of people have with their first child. And so it's been really awesome to go from like what was really complicated at six months to what's a little bit easier at eight. And now I'm picking my battles. And luckily, William is picking them all for me now. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. And I think the other thing too, one of the things I'd like to do better. So like right now, someone who's got a little experience, but definitely, apparently this is a lifelong journey that I'm on now. (laughs) I'd still like to find a way to collaborate with my partner a little bit better. And so that might be the quest for the next time around, getting on the same page a little bit sooner. Yeah. Easier said than done. Apparently. Maybe that's a pipe dream. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being here today with us and for sharing your experience and your life. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I'm just really proud of the work that you've done to help us mothers and caregivers make our jobs easier. So hats off to you for being amazing at what you're doing. So thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies. Goodbye to the toddlers. Goodbye bigger kids. Goodbye all the siblings. Goodbye to the grown-ups. Goodbye to the singers. Goodbye Ayala. Goodbye to Rachel. We laughed and we played we're getting very clever this is what counts being here together
Thanks so much, everyone. We spoke in this episode about the new book, Understanding Your Baby, which launches on May 1st, 2018. To learn more about the book, you can head over to strengthandwords.com book. Do you like the Hello and Goodbye songs we feature on each episode? You can find those and a whole host of other songs on our Strength and Words Music for Families album, available for purchase straight from our website at strengthandwords.com backslash musicforfamilies, or on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Digital Music. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Strength and Words podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing. Don't forget to check out community.strengthandwords.com your content and community hub that supports and nurtures you so you can nurture your tiny humans. Come take a free trial on me. See you next time.